it was a part of our lives for five years. And there were some good times. There were. But that turnover chain just does not fit the attitude that Mario Cristobal wants to bring back to Miami. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. It was made officially official on Wednesday night, courtesy of ESPN's Brett McMurphy, who had a, an exclusive interview with Mario Cristobal. The turnover chain is finished. Rest in peace, turnover chain. This staff is not keeping it around. Now, if you really follow Miami closely, we've known this since January. January was when Cristobal and Alex Mirabal revealed in a couple of interviews, because they were asked about this multiple times, that they strongly hinted that the chain would not be coming back. And it's polarizing. I see the interactions on social media. Some of you are very upset that they're not keeping that turnover chain, which Manny Diaz created in 2017. But that's the key here. That's one of the keys, because there are a couple of good reasons why the turnover chain isn't coming back, okay? Mario Cristobal said it. He doesn't view the chain as being part of Miami's tradition, right? When I think of Miami's tradition, and I know it goes even deeper than this, but to me, when they started winning national titles, 80s, 1990s, the turnover chain was not part of that. The turnover chain was created in 2017. It was really fun the first year, 2017 season. When the Hurricanes had 31 takeaways, they led the nation in turnover margin and they won 10 games and they were in that national conversation. The turnover chain swept America and people started copying it. It was a phenomenon. But like anything else, when you have a prop like that and you go from those 31 turnovers to 25 the following year to 20 the year after that, to 16 the year following that, and then last season only 11 turnovers and you go 7-5. and five. Something's got to give. And they were changing it every year. It just got stale for me. But that's not even the most important thing, that it was a Manny Diaz tradition, not a Miami tradition. That's number one. But the bigger statement here, guys, is it does not fit the work ethic that Mario Cristobal is trying to create from the top down to everyone on his staff, to every player, every bench warmer, every walk on, every starter, every All American. He wants these guys to focus on hard work and dedication, not on props and jewelry. Um, those are my words, not his, of course. But this coaching staff, under the leadership of Cristobal, they they want the rewards for turnovers to be victories, not jewelry and photo ops on the sideline. They want the rewards to be wins because, yeah, you can put on that turnover chain when you force a fumble and you're down 21 points in the fourth quarter. It's yeah, That's not the mission here. And the difference between this Mario Cristobal coaching staff and the Manny Diaz coaching staff, and I'm going to try hard not to knock the previous staff, but bottom line was it – 
you've got now a Ferrari for a coaching staff. You had a Kia of a coaching staff previously. They didn't have the experience. They didn't have the pedigree. They didn't have the budget, right? You've got now an eight plus million dollar a year head coach and an eight million dollar a year assistant coaching staff. Like Miami's playing in a different league. They were playing in AAA the last several years. They're playing in the majors now. So yeah, there's a big difference here. But when you've got an unproven staff under a first time head coach, which is what Miami had before, you're trying to find your identity. They were using smoke and mirrors, right? Hashtags, props. That's the sort of stuff we think we can find shortcuts into enthusiasm and victories and recruiting. Because I know the turnover chain was very popular among recruits. I get that. In fact, the fact that it was popular among recruits was one of my big arguments the last couple of years to keep it around, right? That, hey, the recruits love watching the turnover chain on TV, and then they get to put on the real thing when they make an official visit. It gets everyone excited. Maybe you have a slightly better chance to land a certain you know, four-star player because they put on the turnover chain. Those are the sort of crutches you need to rely on when you've got a first-time head coach and an unproven staff. Do you think this staff needs a turnover chain? Right? When you're talking about... You know, a guy like Mario Cristobal, who cut his teeth at Miami, of course, as a player and a GA and an assistant coach. And then he goes on and learns from Nick Saban and also does a bang up job recruiting from Oregon. Uh, and you've got people working for you like Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong and Frank Ponce and Alex Mirabal and Jamila Dye and Jason Taylor. And the list goes on and on and on. They don't need gimmicks. These guys don't need some turnover chain on TV to go out there and land four and five star recruits. They're doing it already. They haven't even coached a game yet. They haven't coached a single game and they're already out there landing five and four star recruits. And there's going to be more before this recruiting cycle is done. So the turnover chain was fun for a while. I totally get why they decided it was time to retire this thing. Um, here's what Mario Cristobal had to say about it today at ACC kickoff. Kudos to our pal Candace Cooper, the awesome host of Locked on ACC, who's out there working hard and transcribing a lot of this stuff. Mario Cristobal said about the retirement of the chain, probably the media has put more thought on this than we have. It's not a shot or a form of disrespect to anyone, he said. We're just moving in a direction that doesn't involve it, said Mario. You know, I think that if we're ever going to talk about bringing anything like this back again, and I don't think they'll ever bring the turnover chain back because that would look a little weird if in a couple of years he's like, okay, yeah, just kidding. Let's bring the turnover chain back. But if you were going to do anything like this, something flashy, Mario wants these guys to actually earn it on the field first, right? Because yeah, you've got an excellent quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. You've got a Ferrari of a coaching staff. I'll use that term again. They haven't coached a single game yet here. They haven't played a single game here at Miami, right? Uh, you know, we haven't started the 2022 season yet. Go out there, get some wins, hopefully get some national championships in the next coming years and get yourself into that national conversation year in and year out. And then maybe we can start talking about doing flashy stuff like this. But there's a clear message being sent out there. Right. When you see the work that they're doing, when these guys are up at like 6 a.m., well, they're not, they're probably up at 4 a.m., but they start working at 6 a.m. They don't finish working and recruiting until midnight. That's the example the coaches are setting. 
Cristobal has talked about it this week at, at ACC kickoff that they're really throwing a lot at these players. And they've had spring football, off-season workouts so far. Fall camp is starting soon. They've thrown a lot at these players in terms of embracing a grind, embracing a lot more hard work because, you know, the previous staff let these players get away with a lot that this staff is not going to let them get away with. And he's thrilled with the way that they're embracing it so far. But if you want to take that message to the next level, that the only way we can get ourselves back to where Miami used to be and where we want to be again, the only way to get back there, it's not putting on a chain. It's not throwing out a hashtag TNM slogan. The only way that we get back there is by working and grinding and earn every inch, every yard, every touchdown, and every turnover, right? Because, you know, 11 takeaways in seven and five last year, half the times they put on that turnover chain last year was a little bit cringe, right? You know, we don't need that, right? The reward for turnovers isn't jewelry, it's victories. Go out there and get those wins. So I have no problem with doing away with that. And, you know, when Mario Cristobal was on the Joe Rose show with Zach Krantz on Thursday morning, you know, he said it, no proclamations, no T-shirts, no hashtags, that these guys aren't about catchphrases and slogans and smoke and mirrors. They, they actually want to instill the attitude of hard work that Miami had when Cristobal was playing at the U and then when he coached at the U, you know, wins national titles as a player, part of the national championship winning staff in 2001. He wants the attitude to get back to that, right? That's why they're putting the turnover chain away, not to mention the fact that it's really not his tradition in the first place. I want Mario to make his own way. I don't need Mario to rely on, you know, the buzzwords and, and the trophies that Manny Diaz used. Let's bring a new spirit to the University of Miami. And another, an interesting comment that came out of ACC kickoff, Tyler Van Dyke, who's also there doing the rounds, he was on uh, ESPN West Palm. And it was weird. So they asked him about that Florida State loss last year, which was TVD's worst performance, at least the first half. He was really good in the second half, but the first half he was brutal. And Miami ends up losing that game in, in quite heartbreaking fashion. Tyler Van Dyke said that Florida State loss was really disappointing, but, quote, we probably don't have Coach Cristobal if we win that game. Isn't that – we've talked about it on this show before, but isn't that like the biggest mind-bender that, you know, you never want to lose to Florida State? And I'm not saying I'm happy that Miami did, but isn't it a weird thing where a huge positive – came from a catastrophic negative because Florida State was bad last year, not bowl eligible, and yet they still found a way to beat our Miami Hurricanes. But if Miami had won that game, I don't know if anyone can say this for sure, but if Miami had won that game, there's a very good chance Manny Diaz and that staff keep their jobs and we don't have Mario Cristobal and we don't have Charlie Strong and Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele and Jason Taylor and Jamila die. So it's a weird thing. But I I love the direction that this program is heading in. Turnover chain or not, <laughs> I'm not going to miss it all that much. I have fond memories of it because 2000, like when that chain kept coming out against Notre Dame, like every five minutes in that 2017 game, 
that was fantastic. So I have great memories. I will remember the turnover chain fondly, but I'm not going to miss it a whole lot because I think when you're talking about five-star recruits and hopefully double-digit win seasons coming in in the near future, let's focus on that. Let's focus on victories and competing for ACC championships and hopefully national championships. Let's not lose a second of sleep over that jewelry. And when we're talking about hard work and the recruiting trail, more on that on the other side. We're going to do some Q&A. You guys sent us uh, some awesome questions on Twitter. You can follow the show, and we will follow you back at Locked on Canes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Send us any questions and comments you have about Canes football and recruiting, and we read as many as we possibly can on the show. You can also follow my personal at Alex Dono. But we did get a question about what's become a, uh, a a very bitter recruiting battle this week between the University of Miami, Mario Cristobal, and Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, the tide is turning, pun intended, for a certain recruit. We will get to that and more when we come back. But, man, I'm going to need to get to a built Bar as soon as this show is over. I want to put a built Bar in my belly. From the people who invented Healthy and Tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. Yes! Coconut Brownie Chunk built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. And guys, the puff bars are so good. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And yes, you can enjoy built bars guilt free because they're actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect for when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, which happens to me just about every day, or you need a quick, healthy snack. They're an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing and get to Built.com to order your box of Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCKED15. Which NFL stars move the betting lines the most? Starting this week, Locked On has been giving you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It's available uh, this week on on Locked On NFL or wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. And, you know, part of that grind that Mario Cristobal is instilling, not only on his players 2022 and beyond, but on his coaches trying to close some big-time recruiting battles. Sometimes... What feels like a slam dunk or a sure thing can really change quickly, especially when you're recruiting against a guy like Nick Saban. Now, it ain't over till it's over, but Mr. Money asks us on Twitter, what percent chance do you give Miami on closing the deal for Olaus Allenen, the four-star offensive tackle out of Connecticut? Uh, he says, I see Fong has changed his crystal ball. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So first, if you want my percentage on Miami landing Olaus Allenen, I'm down to about 25%, which 
obviously isn't great. It's between Miami and Bama. So I'm at 25% for Miami, 75% for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I have been told not to completely give up that Miami is still in the mix. I don't know for sure if he's made up his mind, but yeah, as, as Mr. Money pointed out, Steve Wiltfong, the Grim Reaper, he flipped his Fong ball. He had his crystal ball Allen into Miami, and then at some point yesterday, I don't know exactly what time, but it happened on Wednesday at some point, he flipped his crystal ball from Miami to Alabama, uh, which obviously isn't good because Wilt Fong is, he's at like 97, 98% in this cycle, and he's at like 92% overall. He's very good with his predictions. He doesn't tend to give them out unless he's got a really good feeling that something's going to stick. So, um, yeah, it's it's not looking great for Allen. And um, that's not going to be a huge blow to Miami if they don't get him. Um, but, you know, since I think either Tuesday or Wednesday, probably Tuesday is when we started to talk about it on this show. I started to get some some negative feedback on Allen and from a Miami standpoint. I was told on Tuesday morning that. Alabama was really pushing and that Nick Saban was quote unquote going all in for this one, that he did not want to lose another player to Miami or Ohio state that Saban really likes Olaus Allen and he wants to close this deal and he's going to try to close it. Olaus is announcing on Friday. So we still have, you know, I think more than uh, 24 hours or so to figure this one out, but he is going to be announcing on the 22nd. So we'll see. Um, I think this is a lesson to everyone that recruiting, especially in the age of NIL, and I don't know specifics on how NIL is playing out in this one. This is a general statement, but especially in the era of NIL, this stuff can change very quickly. And if something feels like a slam dunk on Monday, it may not feel that way on Thursday. And it could shift back in Miami's direction, right? I mean, between now and Friday, things could start to shift back for the U. I know his family really likes Miami, and he he enjoyed his time down here. They had a very long visit. It was a, an, an official visit that they extended into an unofficial visit. So the fat lady is not singing on this one yet. But, yeah, I'm down to about a 25%. But the good news is Miami's already kicking butt on the offensive line. They've got the biggest prize in the class already in Francis Maui Goa. Um, they are projected to land one of the next biggest prizes in the class, the third overall ranked offensive tackle in uh, Samson Okulola. Obviously, you have to hope that that stays in Miami's favor because I just told you things can change. I hope it does. They're looking very good for Okulola. Um, and, you know, uh, I know Monroe Freeling, who's a six foot seven tackle, really likes Miami. Tommy Kinsler, more than likely is going to uh, to commit to Miami, and his announcement is coming soon. Uh, and, you know, Miami, they're still in play for Allen, and they're they're going to come away with an incredible offensive tackle class, whether they close for Olaus Allen or not. I hope people realize that. Um, so, you know, it, it, as long as as long as Okunlola stays solid, we're in really good shape. Really, really, really. And there's a chance of Peyton Kirkland as well, who announces on Saturday. Miami's very much in the mix for him. Um, I had seen uh, that it might even be still 50-50 for Peyton Kirkland with Michigan State. So there's a decent chance Miami might land him. Uh, Category 9 Kane asks us, what's your schedule breakdown for wins and losses? Nine wins, 10 wins, who do we lose to? Do we make the ACC championship game? Uh, I've been doing a lot of mental gymnastics on this. Now, first of all, predictions are fun. 
they're completely pointless. Like, what does it matter what I say in July about how many games they're going to win September through December? Like, eh, it's completely, like, you know, it's, it's point. I, I can't conjure it into reality, but I've, I've done some flip-flopping on whether Miami's going to win 10 games in the regular season or 10 games, including a bowl game. May I be so bullish as to predict the Hurricanes will win 10 regular season games. And I say this because I think the Hurricanes are going to pull off one upset on the road. They're not going to get them both. Texas A&M in September, Clemson on the road in November. I think Miami might be able to, quote unquote, steal a victory up in Clemson. And I think they'll play Texas A&M tough, probably lose that game. But I think Miami's going to steal one of those two games, which would be gigantic. I mean, it honestly, it would be better to win the Texas A&M game because that's so early in the season. It would just build a ton of momentum. Um, but the Clemson game is an ACC game, so that would be nice to win. But I think they're going to win one of those two games, which would be a surprise. But then, you know, it always happens in the ACC and in the Coastal. They're going to lose a game that they're not supposed to lose. And there are some good teams in the Coastal, right? I mean... You know, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, just please don't lose to Florida State. But, you know, Miami will probably, they'll probably drop a game in the ACC that they're favored to win, and they'll probably win a game they're not supposed to win. So I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 10 and 2. How about that for optimism? How about that? DJ asks, who will be our go-to receiver this year? Now, I think our go-to receiver might end up being a tight end. But if I just speak strictly on the wide receivers, I'm going to go Xavier Restrepo out of the slot. Um, he had the most reliable hands in spring. Um, he's really been working hard. Um, you know, just precise route running, very reliable hands. And there's unfortunately not enough reliable hands in that receiving core. So, and Restrepo, we've talked about it on this show. He and he and Tyler Van Dyke, they, they've got like a psychic connection. They're even roommates. They know each other so well. They're constantly drilling and and working out on their own. So I, I think I think Restrepo will probably be the will probably be the go-to receiver out of the receiving core. Um, I'd love to see, you know, Frank Ladson, who transferred in from Clemson. I'd love to see him have a big impact and then you know, some of your other deep threats like Keyshawn Smith and Jacoby George. I'd love to see them find consistency. We talked about Romello Brinson the other day. I want to see him take advantage of his, his opportunities. Give us some more of those one-handed touchdown grabs. Rashard Smith, I think, can be a versatile weapon for the Canes. So there's a lot of guys, but this was another thing. I heard Mario say this on the Joe Rose show. He was asked about the receivers that because, you know, Miami lost their top two receivers from last year. Can the next group be dependable? And he said, we're they're going to have to show it. Like, you know, Mario's not proclaiming anything. Like, he didn't single out anybody from the, from the receiving core and say, oh, yeah, this guy is going to catch, you know, 100 balls, 1,500 yards, score 10 touchdowns, nothing like that. He wants to see them earn it the same way that we do. A uh, couple more questions I want to get to on the other side. Ooh, got a very good question about the transfer portal players. And a question about FS who that I want to get to. Keep it locked to Locked on Canes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today and your first watch. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, Wesley Hewitt asks us, out of all the players from the transfer portal that Miami obtained for this year, 
which one do you believe will have the biggest impact? Um, I'm pretty confident in saying Akeem Mesador, the uh, the edge rusher who transferred in from West Virginia, was a very highly touted recruit, had a really productive couple of years at WVU. Uh, he can play inside and outside. I think Mesador, to me, that's the guy who looks like he's built for the biggest immediate impact. So Mesador is my answer. There are others in the conversation, though, right? There's Miami's got such an embarrassment of riches from the transfer portal. They had a great portal. You know, I could make an argument for Caleb Johnson, the linebacker who came in from UCLA. Mesador is probably the better overall player, but Caleb Johnson is a really good player at a big position of need. Right, because he's going to have to be on the field a lot because that linebacking core is a question mark, to put it nicely. So I could see him having a ton of impact. Um, you know, when it comes to long-term impact, because some of these transfers have a lot of eligibility, I love Daryl Jackson, the defensive tackle who transferred in from uh, from Maryland. I mean, the guy, the guy's like what is he, six foot six, six foot seven, crazy wingspan, big girth on the inside, like this guy is going to be wreaking havoc and batting down passes left and right, you know, uh, on the offensive side of the football, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, but I, I could see Henry Parrish, uh, the Ole Miss running back. I could see him end up being the starting running back in a deep running back room. And, you know, I talked about Frank Ladson. I, I want to see him add something to that receiving course. So there's a ton of guys who could have an impact, but Mesador, Mesador is my, my automatic answer that that's the one I say, that's the guy that I think is going to have the biggest impact immediately. Cuddy asks us, <laughs> he's trying to get me in trouble with the way he phrased this question. Like he's trying to get me in trouble with the football gods. Like he wants to make me jinx something here. He says, when Miami beats FSU this year, do you think that will decide Mike Norvell's job security? If not, how long do you think he will last? Well, okay, Cuddy, I'm not going to fall into your trap because if I entertain the phrasing of your question and just automatically assume that Miami's beating Florida State, I'm asking for the football gods to give me some terrible mojo. So I, I will not automatically pencil that in as a win. And why should I? Florida State wasn't supposed to beat Miami last year, and they did it. You know what this ties back into? Let me bring it back to Mario Cristobal. No slogans, no hashtags, no turnover chains. You've got to earn it on the field through hard work. When Miami faces Florida State, there's a chance Miami could very well be a double-digit favorite heading into that game. Do not step on that field acting like you're a double-digit favorite and going through the motions. No, no, no. You step on that field as if you're a double-digit underdog and you give them hell out there, okay? So I'm not going to assume anything. As far as Mike Norvell's job security, um, you know, what can you say? I mean, uh, has this guy has this guy ever qualified for a bowl game at Florida State? He's got bigger problems than Miami. He beat Miami last year, but he went five and seven. So where did that really get him? I mean, if if Norvell beats Miami again and they go five and seven or four and eight, that shouldn't automatically extend his job. Now, a lot of Miami fans probably want him to keep his job because if they, you know, if they were to bring in Deion Sanders or something, then oh man, the recruiting trail would really, really heat up. Uh, you know, we, we did get we got a similar question that we answered earlier in this week about like how many wins Cristobal needs to get this year to secure his recruiting class so that guys don't decommit. Um, I'll say what I said on I think it was Tuesday we talked about this. 
I don't think there's a magic number because keeping your commits, it's more about building relationships and just being relentless, hard work. There it is again. It's more about relationships than it is about wins and losses. But I think if Miami wins eight games or more, I think that wouldn't have a negative impact about uh, about your verbal commits because I think the big thing with verbal commits is they don't want to see any signs of tension and like they don't want it to look like the players hate the coaches and the players don't get along right so I don't think there's a magic number for wins and losses but you know I'm going to try to make a magic number it's probably you got to win at least eight games but yeah really good stuff really really good stuff from ACC media days so far and I'm sorry rest in peace turnover chain but you know what it's time for Mario Cristobal to build his own traditions and recreate some of the traditions of the past. You know, it was a really good tradition at Miami. If you guys think the turnover chain was a good tradition, you know, what was a better tradition winning national championships. We did that five times in an 18 year span. That was a nice tradition. Five natties between 83 and 2001. I care more about that tradition than I care about a chain. I had a lot of fun, as we always do. We'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Canes. You know, I mentioned the hard work that Candace Cooper is doing out there at the ACC kickoff. She's great. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen every day. They take you around the conference in 30 minutes or less. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.